Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Of course, we've been in this series entitled The True Church because I really believe we are at a crossroads. A lot of people are saying, boy, I hope 2020 is over soon and everything goes back to normal. And I really don't think it will. If you think about it, when 9-11 occurred all those years ago, some things changed permanently. And I think some things are going to change now permanently. One of the things that needs to change is that the church needs to recognize the age in which we live. Stop playing church. Stop buying into theologies that are self-serving or self-preserving. And really honor what we just sang. Or the scripture that Annie read from Revelation. If we truly believe Christ is who the scripture declares, if we believe he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, that he created all things, including you and me, then there should be in our hearts a desire, essentially, to allow the kingdom of God to explode in us and through us. And so we were talking last week about the idea, the concept of the kingdom of God, that the true church advances the kingdom. And we looked at the scripture that's in Mark chapter 1, where Jesus himself went about proclaiming the good news, and he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Well, of course, the people who heard that didn't realize how close the kingdom of God really was, like they were able to see the kingdom in the person of Christ. Because we said last week that the kingdom of God is not like kingdoms of this world. That kingdoms of this world created by man, usually in their pride and greed and other such things, have as a purpose expanding their wealth, their power, their influence, their territory. And the kingdom of God cannot be seen like that. You can't define its boundaries. You don't know always where it's at work. You can't see like some military might or something of that nature. But the kingdom of God is transcending the world. In fact, it's the largest kingdom in the world, yet people cannot see it unless they have eyes to see that come from Christ. And so the kingdom of God is not about an earthly kingdom. It's about a person, the person of Christ. Wherever he is, there his kingdom resides. Wherever he's at work, he is expanding his kingdom. The good news is that you can enter into the kingdom of God, be a part of what he is doing. Also last week, we looked at the scripture where he sent out the disciples and told them to go and preach the kingdom of God. But notice in that, it says he gave them power and authority to drive out the demonic, to cure diseases. And in so doing, he was saying, you go in the power of his spirit and push back the darkness. 
See, what I've said many times in this series is that the church in the United States and in other parts of the world, maybe not all parts, has been in retreat for quite a while, for a number of decades. That instead of pushing back the darkness, in many ways we've been inviting it in. I use the paraphrase of we've been essentially sleeping with the enemy by allowing so much falsehood and lies and deception to be a part of the church rather than standing in truth and advancing the kingdom. And yet in the power of the Spirit, by the anointing of the Spirit, you and I can do just as the disciples did in the early days, stand against the darkness. And they faced far greater opposition than any of us face. They all came to the place of sacrificing their lives, essentially, either literally or in giving up what they had of the world in order to advance the kingdom. And likewise, the scripture in Colossians, those talks about this conflict or this challenge between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That it is by Christ that any person is rescued from the kingdom of darkness through redemption by the work of the Son in order that we might enter into the kingdom of God. But yet the kingdom of darkness is all around us. If you have eyes to see, you can see it very clearly. Sometimes you see it in the life of an individual. In fact, I was thinking just yesterday about looking into the eyes of people. There is truth that the eyes are the mirror of the soul. They reflect what's in your heart. It's like the scripture that says, out of the heart the tongue speaks. Well, out of the heart the eyes reveal. And sometimes I've looked into the eyes of people and almost instantly saw the presence of God because there was such joy or such radiance about them. Sometimes I've looked into the eyes of people and I've saw a great deal of stress and anguish. Sometimes I've seen darkness of the level that clearly the demonic had a grip upon that person. And you see, there's something there where the kingdom of darkness had captured them, controlled them, and our job is to rescue them. To advance the kingdom, as I've said repetitively, one person at a time. And it's not just in salvation that the kingdom of God is advanced. You see, at all times when you and I are the reflection of Christ anywhere in our lives, sometimes he's using us to stand against the type of darkness that is referred to here that is helping some person find hope or some person find healing from the wounds of their life. It's one of the reasons that God uses our testimonies is that as you have walked through some challenge and difficulty in life and found healing yourself, then he wants to use you as a vessel of healing for somebody else. In so doing, you're pushing back the darkness in their life. There are many other ways that God calls us to push back the darkness. In fact, some of you will recall when I did a series about two years ago on prayer, I talked about the many facets of prayer that there's listening, there's intercession, and worship itself, just like we were just doing. Corporate worship is a form of prayer. Every time that you open your heart and your, your lungs and your voice to sing unto the Lord, you're simultaneously standing against the darkness. 
I think it's one of the reasons I love the Annie Moses Band is because wherever they go, they stand in the radiance of the Spirit of God and the darkness cannot penetrate it. And God is calling you and I to be likewise in advancing his kingdom. We also looked at the scripture last week where it says that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, before I was a Christian, I couldn't see it. It was all around me, but the only kingdom I could see was the kingdom of this world. I wanted to advance in this world. But once the Spirit of God came to dwell within me, my worldview was radically changed very, very quickly because the Holy Spirit was beginning to instruct my mind and open my eyes so that I could see what I could not see up to that point. And then over the years, he has continued to instruct my understanding about the kingdom so that I see the kingdom of darkness so very clearly, but likewise see the kingdom of God at the same time interacting in this world that is so sometimes chaotic that people are confused. But if you are looking at the world through the eyes of Christ in the power of the Spirit, you can see the hand of God at work in the midst of the confusion. And see, that's what is desperately needed right now, is that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your mind. You cannot, in the age in which we live, listen to the voices of the world. It will deceive you, confuse you, and implant fear in your life. The most important thing you can do right now, if you want to stand and advance the kingdom, is listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? What is he doing? You see, I believe that there is a harvest that is coming. A great harvest. Now, it might go on for a single year. It might go on for many years. But the true church, the one that is prepared, that is advancing the kingdom, will be a part of this great harvest. The false church, those that are deceived and loving the world, will miss it and not see it. But God is calling you and I to be a part of the true church, individually and collectively. I'm still in last week. Sorry, I'm just getting wound up. Because we were talking about what is the barrier to people entering the kingdom in this culture is like the story of the rich young ruler who came to Christ and said, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And he told him to follow all of the commands. And he said, I've done this. Of course, we know he had not because he coveted wealth. And Jesus said, go to and sell all your possessions. Then you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he went away sad. And you see, in this culture... So many people have so much material wealth that it's not something that satisfies them. It only causes them to desire more. In fact, Ravi Zacharias said that meaninglessness is not found in the things of this world where there's pain and difficulty. Meaninglessness is found in unbridled pleasure. That if you're continuously indulging your soul and your, your sinful desires, your soul is left with a place of meaninglessness. And yet, in our culture, so many people are just like the rich young ruler. They can't see the kingdom of God because they so desire and so covet the things of this world. Then also... The scripture we looked at last week, because we're 
people were bringing children to Jesus and the, the disciples tried to keep them away and Jesus became indignant because he said, look, let the little children come unto me. In fact, unless any person comes to Christ like a child, you cannot enter it. You see, having a humble heart, a heart that truly desires to know him, a heart that believes and trusts in him is, is the avenue to being able to see the kingdom. And see, God wants to impart that to each one of us, not just so that we can camp there, but so that you and I can be used to impart it to others. Now, I want to continue this week talking about this idea of advancing the kingdom with an emphasis upon the idea that the kingdom of God dwells within you if and only if you know him. And so we'll start with this scripture in Luke 17. It says there that Jesus again was speaking to the Pharisees. Oftentimes some of the best things that he declared to us were things that he was saying directly to them because they were so deceived and really in such opposition to the truth. He said the kingdom of God does not come by careful observation what I was referring to earlier. You can't see it. It doesn't have a, a national flag, flag or boundaries that are defined by geographic lines. He says, no, that the kingdom of God is within you. Now, there are those who are false teachers who would take that scripture out of the context of everything else we know about scripture and talk about, well, you essentially are a little God. Or that you can become God. That's not what the scriptures say. That in order to encounter the kingdom of God, there must be a transformation within you. In your heart and in your soul. Because you are born separated from God by, by the consequence of original sin coming all the way down through the generations. You and I have confirmed that by our actions. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all are, by definition, objects of the wrath of God until such time as we repent and come to him and become an object of the favor of God. But when you do come to know him, then you are immediately connected to the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to dwell within you. This is the most glorious and fabulous thing that any human being could imagine, and even there, you cannot comprehend it. I can't. How could it be that the living God who created all things dwells in each one of us? But he does. And he speaks to us individually. He empowers us individually. He has given you gifts and talents that he wants to use for your good and for his glory. And so the kingdom of God is within you. And see, here's what the falsehood of religion has done over the years is try to portray that the kingdom of God is somehow out here or up there. And that if you work hard enough, someday you'll get a glimpse of it. Or perhaps you'll get to enter into it when you die. But you see, the reality is that the kingdom of God is in you now. That you are connected eternally to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that you can grow in the kingdom of God today. You see... Every time you're doing anything to know him better, whether it's praying or worshiping or studying, anything you are doing, what you are doing is surrendering your life to allow God to advance the kingdom in you. 
that he starts by building the kingdom in you. This is why the scripture says that he wants to conform each one of us to the likeness of his son. That he's recreating, rebuilding the kingdom of God within you. You don't become God. He's always the one in authority and power. But he loves you so greatly that he is, he's desiring to empower you to be a part of the kingdom and to advance the kingdom. It's a glorious thing. And see, religion has said you must perform various duties in order to satisfy God. And many people have seen Christianity as a religion that is a burden. That's a falsehood. Christianity is a relationship that is an opportunity to experience life to the full. See, one of the great deceptions of evil is, is making people think that, well, if I give my life to God, somehow I'm going to miss out on the things of this world. Well, yes, you're going to miss out on the things that would destroy your soul. But what you're going to encounter are the things that have eternal value. That you'll stop storing up for yourself treasures in this world and you'll begin storing up for yourself treasures in heaven without even knowing it. See, as you're following Christ, advancing his kingdom, just living with him, doing what he's calling you to do day in and day out, you're storing up in treasures in heaven because he is the one doing it through you. He's storing them up for you. Now, the scripture says this in Mark 4, that he spoke to the disciples, and they were asking, why do you speak in parables? And he said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. That there is something secret about the kingdom. Now, it's interesting, though. It's not a secret that he wants to keep. You know how sometimes I I tell people, do not tell me something that you want to be kept secret. I just don't want to know. There's some of us who have a problem keeping those. And it's not intentional. I don't intentionally go around and tell somebody some secret. I just forget that I'm supposed to keep it secret, and I just start talking about it. I'm like, if you don't want me to say it, just don't tell me. But you see, God's secret is veiled. It's hidden. But it's not a secret that he wants to keep. He wants to reveal it to you. But there is a a barrier, a hindrance that can keep it from being revealed in your heart and your mind. See, Jesus goes on to say that he's speaking in parables for this reason. And he's talking about, in this case, unbelievers, probably referring particularly to the Pharisees. And he's saying that he spoke in parables because they may be ever seeing but not perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, he's not saying, and some people can draw the wrong conclusion here, he's not saying that he speaks in parables to keep people from being forgiven. He's saying that he speaks in parables so that those who have the heart of a child, a humble heart, can understand, but those who have a prideful heart cannot grasp it. And he's saying here, look, if they had eyes to see, if they had ears to hear, they would turn and be forgiven. But it's because they do not. 
that I speak in parables so that those who want to know me can. See, some people have this prideful statement that, well, if God will speak to me or if he'll reveal himself to me, then I'll come to him. You won't. See, if if your heart is filled with pride, it really doesn't matter what God does before you. You won't encounter him. But when your heart is broken and contrite and humble and you're thirsting for him, then he reveals himself. In fact, some of you would agree that the most difficult, desperate times of your life were in retrospect times when you came to know him in a measure you had never known before. That's certainly been true for me. That in some of the most difficult things I've ever been through, I have seen him more clearly. Because in those challenges, my sinful, fallen, prideful heart was falling away, being taken away more and more so that I could have greater eyes to see. It is a secret, but it's for this reason. In Corinthians, it says their minds, here it's talking about unbelievers, particularly Jewish unbelievers, that their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains. That is, when the old covenant is read, that this veil has not been removed, that it can only be taken away in Christ. So that a person who, in that time period, knew the law of the Old Testament, couldn't understand who the Messiah was, even though they might be standing right in front of him, because they were, their minds were veiled, their eyes were blinded. And he says, oh, excuse me, even to this day, that when Moses, that is the law, the Old Testament is read, that their, their veil, it covers their hearts. But that when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And see, the kingdom of God within you first comes by Christ working to remove the veil. It's like some of you have had times when your eyesight got to a place where it was really difficult, and then you had a surgery that corrected everything. I was listening to a gentleman speak about this the other day. He's a a Christian minister, and he was, I think he's around 80 years old, and he was saying he had some type of, I think it was a cataract surgery just recently, and just instantly he could see far, far better than he had in a long, long time. And it's sort of like that, that The Spirit of God works surgery in your heart and your mind to give you eyes then to see the kingdom of God. And then the scripture says this about the kingdom, that it's something that essentially cannot be hidden, that it cannot be suppressed, that the kingdom of God, wherever it is, wherever it's advancing, is always growing and flourishing. It says in this case that it's like a man who scatters seed on the ground day and night and he sleeps and gets up and the seed sprouts and grows and he doesn't even know what's going on, that he's done a little work, but really what's being accomplished is done by the work of God and how he had planned this creation. It says the soil all by itself produces grain and then a stalk and so forth. He says as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it and and it becomes a harvest, that this is the nature of the kingdom of God. In fact, I think about that in my own family. That when I was a young person, there were a few who knew about God, a few who were religious, 
but not very many who knew him well. And then I will say that one of the greatest blessings ever to happen to my family was when my sister married the man that she is married to now. Because he had known the Lord since a young age. He became a pastor when he's 19. He's now in his 60s and still pastoring. He demonstrated the reality of Christ as well as anybody I've ever been around. Not that he was perfect. But he revealed a whole new concept. Something about having a relationship rather than a religion. And you see, him coming into our family was just like a seed being planted in the soul of the family that just kept going all over the place. And one by one, people came to know Christ. And as you can guess, when I came to know Christ, the people that I turned to to disciple me in the earliest days were my sister and my brother-in-law. He baptized me, by the way. Hmm. See, the kingdom of God was advancing in him and then advancing through our family. And likewise, you see, for every single person here, when the kingdom of God flourishes in your soul, everywhere that God has you, all of the time is a place where he's wanting to advance the kingdom. Constantly. You know, I've thought about this. We should rename or put a different sign out here on the front that says Celebration Building. Stop saying Celebration Church. This is a place where the body of Christ, the church, comes to celebrate. It's the Celebration Building. But when everybody leaves here, there's no church here. There are a few insects and an occasional rodent. (laughs) But there's no church here. The church is gone out. The kingdom of God has scattered for a week or whatever time period is so that you can advance the kingdom wherever you are for that season. Likewise, the scripture says this. It says, what shall we say about the kingdom of God? That it's like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed that you plant, yet when you plant it, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. That the kingdom of God cannot be left in some small way. Wherever it's truly flourishing, there's going to be an impact. And do you realize that the impact of you being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the kingdom of God and advancing it in your life, that your legacy can go on for generations. Long after you pass from this world, the seed that you have planted in the hearts and minds of children and children's children and so on can have a great harvest long after you have passed. I mean, some of you right now are the legacy of those who've come before you. I think particularly, I had two grandmothers who loved the Lord and were praying people, and I'm sure some of the fruit in my life is a legacy of theirs. Constantly, you and I have the opportunity to advance the kingdom. And then lastly, 
the scripture says this, that no one who has left his home and left everything about it for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much. And notice what it says, in this age and in the age to come. I think I could honestly say that anything that anybody might perceive as having been a sacrifice in my life to seek after the kingdom of God, I would say it really wasn't. That it really didn't cost me that much. Because relative to the gains, the blessings, it was minuscule. Do you realize that? That many times we're holding on to things in this world thinking, oh, this is so valuable. This is what I must have. In fact, when you let it go, you find there are greater things ahead. And see, hungering and thirsting for the kingdom of God in you and then being a vessel to advance the kingdom of God one person at a time constantly throughout your life every single day There are enormous blessings in that. Enormous blessings. Some of you will remember the story. I won't tell the whole story, but where many years ago, I gave the person I worked when I was working at the college, I gave the person who was the janitor in the building there a a Bible on cassette. It was so long ago. Not eight track, but cassette. And some of you remember the story. Turns out, I, I just felt like the Lord told me to do it. And I gave it to him. And it turns out he had become a Christian like two or three days before I gave it to him. The timing was just unbelievable. And then it, a couple of days later, his wife left a note that he had put in my office because he had a key to my office that said, thank you for giving him this Bible on tape because he can't read. And the reason I tell you that story and about how the blessings that come in this age, probably at least 10 years later, I happened to see him at a a worship event in Bristol at Viking Hall. I recognized him in the stands. I went up and talked to him, got a big hug from him. And see, one of the blessings in this life is just being used to help somebody else grow. He even told me that night that he had not only appreciated those so much, that they blessed him so much that he'd given them to his son and that he had listened to them. That as you advance the kingdom of God, there are blessings for you. But let me say this, and I'll close with this. You and I should wake up every morning saying, Lord, how can I advance the kingdom today? What can I do? And you realize you don't have to go and search and beat down doors and things like that. All you have to do is be ready and willing in that moment. In that day, whomever God puts in your path, those are the places where you are to advance the kingdom. And if you spend your entire day at home by yourself with an infant, you're advancing the kingdom and the life of that child. Maybe you spend the entire day sitting by the bedside 
of a parent who's in their last days. You're advancing the kingdom there too. But you don't seek to advance the kingdom out of religious duty, nor out of obligation, but out of love. If you love him, you will want to advance the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to love you. Where we don't, show us. Lord, we ask that you would pour out your kingdom in our lives, in our hearts. That you would advance it in us in order that we might be greater vessels for advancing your kingdom in this dark world. Lord, I ask for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon every person here. That we would be people who are prepared to be the true church in these difficult days. To be a part of the harvest. Let me just say this. If you're watching online or you're listening on radio. And you've never come to know him. You don't know what this kingdom is about. The scripture says you must be born again. And the way that happens is you humble yourself. You say, Lord, forgive me. All of the sins that I've committed, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me a new person. Let me be a part of your kingdom. And then use me to advance your kingdom in this world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.